Thank you for joining us on Answering Religious Era this Tuesday evening as we come to you every week with our series called Keeping My Head On Straight. Tonight we'll be discussing an interesting topic, at least it has a very interesting title, Dealing with Kooks. <laughs> what do we mean by that? Well, as in our heading tonight, there will always be difficult people in every facet of life. You expect it in the world sometimes, but sadly there may be some in the church. How do we react to that? How do we keep from putting on fake smiles and look to loving them as Jesus does? And uh, how do we react to, say, strange views, overthinkers in the church, maybe obnoxious behavior, people trying to get attention and whatnot, uh, even within the assembly of the Lord? And so how do we rebuke? What's the right way to correct, to maintain a gentle and godly spirit in these things? So we want to thank you for joining Answering Religious Era tonight as we discuss this issue, uh, because it's a real issue. And it's something that we do have to deal with from time to time. And we just have to, um, uh, I guess, bring up the panel of kooks. I mean, uh, brethren tonight that uh, might have a little bit of expertise in this area. and uh, But in all seriousness and sadness, we have had to deal uh, with those that we might attribute the term kook to. What do we mean by that? So um, let's give our attention to uh, giving praise to God and the answer of these questions. And we will begin with a word of prayer. Mark Dunnigan, I'll ask you to lead us in that prayer and then lead us in our study tonight. Absolutely, Chris. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we are indeed grateful for the day that you have given us. Um, we're grateful for our salvation. Um, in fact, we're very mindful that if we had not heard the gospel, if we had not been given a good foundation, ran into strong Christians, had Christian parents or other great influences, that uh, we would not be all together, that we would definitely be messed up and in danger of messing up other people as well. And so we are grateful for the good influences that you have brought into our lives. We're grateful for the people that love us. Be with the people that are watching the show tonight. Be with your people throughout the world and help their labors to be fruitful and help everyone out there just doing the best they can who's trying and evangelizing and they're praying and they're helping their brethren, etc., to know that their labor is not in vain in the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this is the ARE long-awaited, long-awaited show, right? And I think, uh, Chris, um, yeah, we got the experts. We got, we, we got the qualified experts on tonight uh, to deal with this topic. Um, on a serious note, and I'm just going to bring up the first question, and I guess, Chris, I'm, I'm going to let the audience know. I'm going to do this. That is, I'm going to let them know what's coming up as far as questions concerned. So we're going to deal. First question, you know, why is, is this an important topic? What's at stake? Uh, second question is going to be how do you – keep someone from taking over a Bible class. Third question is, where does God allow us to be different, maybe even eccentric, and where is that not okay? The final question for the night is, how do I avoid, how do I avoid going down the same path? How do I become, avoid becoming kind of kooky and crazy in our thinking? That, that's the show. That's the show for tonight. Um, and as far as a definition, um, that's going to be kind of be somewhat difficult, I think. I think, Chris, you had some good thoughts on that at the intro on the show. <laughs> but I'm going to throw out a passage here uh, as we begin, and particularly with that first question. Um, and maybe also someone from a different culture. I could see where the word might be a little bit different for you. Like, okay, that's not a word that we typically use. Um, and so I'm not sure if another word would be difficult people. Um, here, here would be a passage, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4. It says, Paul told Timothy to stay on, uh, to remain at Ephesus, and instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, not to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation. And that's kind of a verse that caught my attention here, is that, Individuals often that we would put kind of in this category as we've defined it for lack of a better word at this moment, um, typically are people that often get off the rails and start just going on to speculation rather than what the text says. 
And the danger of that, I think, is found in verse 5. The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And those speculations and strange doctrines and strange views um, get in the way of that. And those are really important goals. I mean, the love from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. Those are vital goals. And it seems like that these speculations and strange doctrines are counterproductive to that. But gentlemen, let's open it up. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, do you have any thoughts on as far as well, if I could add a little bit on to the, the definition. Yes. Yeah. If I could add a little bit to the definition, I mean, it's not a term. Ironically, it's not a term we're throwing around lightly tonight. I know it's said in jest a lot of times uh, when you talk about somebody that's um, and we, we're not understand this. We're not talking about those that are, uh, you know, has maybe emotional or some type of mental challenge in their lives. Uh, that word is often associated with the way people use the word crazy. Um, so we are being delicate in how we're using these terms tonight. Um, just by a dictionary definition, um, it says uh, that a kook is a crazy or eccentric person. Now, one of your questions, Mark, dealt with eccentricity, and I think that that's a good way to describe that. But I'd like to kind of look at this from the way that we would look at somebody that's just, you know, offbeat, you know, is not really enjoining themselves in the fellowship of the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And so I think it's more or less, what are the characteristics that you look for? We look back and say, you know, this, this person's a kook. Uh, you know, they're just, they're just out there. You know, there's all kinds of terms you can use. Uh, we used to try to be cool and say, you know, they're out there past Pluto, man. I mean, you just got to reel them in and be like, Quit overthinking, quit thinking so far out the box because you've got to be philosophical uh, in, in all that you do. But what I see as far as characteristics go, and, and they're not always sinful. So some are, but we're not always talking about somebody that's necessarily directly sinning, but it can lead to that, especially with false doctrines and whatnot. But I think narcissism is a problem sometimes among those that want to gain attention um, I read a statement recently that I thought was interesting. You know, pay close attention to a narcissist's accusations. Uh, they're kind of like confessions. Uh, this is called projection. They accuse you of the very things that they're doing. Uh, that's one characteristic that I've seen in some people that we might give this you know, definition to. Um, it's somebody that's full of pride, obviously. Uh, maybe pride about the knowledge that they think they have. Sometimes they want to be the smartest person in the room, and uh, they've got to advertise that to everyone. Um, it could also be a uh, you know, characteristic of anger. Uh, Proverbs 22 and verse 24 says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. And uh, you'll see sometimes the reactions uh, that some may have toward a kook is, uh, you know, is, is it'll it causes them to kind of fly off the handle. We we understand that we want to be very delicate with people uh, that think a lot of themselves. Get, they get offended very easily. Uh, it's hard to correct them and to rebuke them. And and I'll just say it. The Bible calls a person like that a fool. You read all through Proverbs, uh, you know, the foolish behavior of people like that. And a couple others is that they it may just be down to more of a personal level. Uh, some folks just may have a problem. They may have a dislike for the teacher of a class. Uh, the preacher or an elder, and they're just wanting to stir up trouble and divide the congregation. And these are things, of course, sinful that God definitely uh, is down upon. And then there's others that want to just pretty much put themselves in a position of a place of power. And in so doing, they're they're bound to do just about anything to get that attention and notoriety. So to me, that's how I kind of addressed uh, some of my answers to these questions tonight and thinking about the characteristics of some that come in with a very divisive and eccentric behavior and uh, can be, um, well, it can be trouble. It can be trouble. Good thoughts, Chris. And so to our, our particular our foreign viewers, uh, we would say that, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things that can move a person to become crazy in their thinking. And one could be arrogance. They think they're smarter than they are. Um, a good example of that, I think, Chris, would be a person who thinks that they have found something in the Bible that no one has ever found before. 
some sort of information or a teaching or whatever. No one has ever seen this before, and they're the only one that sees it. Um, bitterness and anger can also move you towards crazy thinking. Isolation can always also move you towards crazy thinking. You're not only that, but sometimes you have people that are in love too much with their own voice and their own thoughts. And so kind of an unwillingness to listen to others can move you in that direction as well. Any other thoughts on that, gentlemen? But I appreciate the question that we got there. Great question. You know, I was thinking that uh, to many people in the denominations, all members of the Lord's Church are kooks uh, because we believe truth is singular and not manifold. Uh, in the denominational world, you've got basically an agreement to disagree. You've got a variety of people that consider themselves Christians, but they're different kinds of Christians. They have different doctrines. They have different practices. And uh, some of them accept the Bible, the Bible only. Some of them accept other uh, supposed inspired books. And even those who accept the Bible only do not understand it, do not even really try to understand it. And I remember one time I was talking to a young man. I had known him in my youth when I was still in a denomination. And I, I saw him again after I had become a Christian. He had married a, a friend of my sister who was a Christian. And I thought, well, you know, maybe he's become a Christian since then. I'm going to go visit them because I had been, uh, I had had a great deal of respect for this young man as uh, we were when we were in our use because he did not seem to uh, to cuss tell dirty jokes and things of that nature that almost all of us did but when i got to talking with him about once saved always saved he didn't just affirm once saved always saved he defended it on the supposed basis that you know if, if once you're saved you're not always saved then no one can be saved because we sin all the time and I said, what do you mean all the time? He said, well, we sin every day. I said, do you think we sin every hour? He said, yes. Uh, I said, well, do you think we sin every minute? He said, yes. I said, do you think we sin every second? He said, yes, you can't go without sinning. And uh, to me, that's a person who is not really thinking uh, clearly. He's not one who is studying the Bible and trying to understand what it says. He has drawn a conclusion or he has heard a particular doctrine and he has accepted it and he's just going to defend that no matter how ridiculous he might he might sound uh, uh, to others. But we need to, to help people to understand the truth is in the Bible. The truth is in God's word and we must rightly divide the word of God in order to come to a knowledge and understanding of the truth. And once we have, we need to apply that to our lives as consistently as as we can. And so uh, this young man was uh, an example that I would give as as one who is who is a who is a kook. He would just defend, uh, make silly arguments in defense of what he believed. I would I would add to, uh, to that. You can think of uh, men that Paul ran into that he would say, um, pray that the Lord will deliver me from unreasonable men. That's uh, that, I think that's a good word to use unreasonable men who would come in for the mere purpose of causing disturbance, causing a ruckus, causing division, and they can't be reasoned with. That's probably the kind of person that we're, that would best, uh, be, the word unreasonable may be a word that uh, even our foreign uh, listeners would understand that, that they're troublers because they won't listen and they won't study and they won't uh, reason through something. They're always coming up with something just to stir the pot or just to create some tension. Uh, they're not the ones that will encourage the group. They're not, uh, they're never anything positive that you'll get from them. They're just unreasonable people. And they're, unfortunately, you'll find some of those in the Lord's church. And the reason why this is important for us to be able to address is because the life or death of a local church could very well depend on what you do about those who come to destroy the reputation and the credibility 
of the local church. People know about this person and that you put up with it and that the local church is, uh, is known for this particular person. Uh, it can ruin the reputation and it can ruin the credibility of that church. If uh, this person has the upper hand and is a constant, uh, constant thorn in the side of the church. So we've got to address it's important because we want the local church to be, uh, to develop its potential. And we don't want somebody ruining the potential of that church just because they're not reasonable people. So they can hold back the church from growing. They can hold back the church from growing spiritually and numerically because, uh, you know, they're allowed to keep disturbances going in the church. And uh, so that person would be somebody, I think that in English we'd say that person is kooky in his, in his ways and in his ideas. Terry, I, I really appreciate that. Cause that, again, brings another little angle in here of, of uh, individuals that you cannot reason with. And, and Bible study is all about, we're reasoning from the scriptures. Uh, we're reading the scriptures and we're reasoning from them. And, and we're willing also to make corrections. And if we're wrong, we're willing to say so. And, and that, that's a good point. Along with that, I think, Chris, is the idea that th these are people that typically have, and people would call it a hobby, but they have a a pet idea or a pet doctrine that's often wrong and that's all they want to talk about and somehow they're able to get it into every class and so for our listeners that would be some other um sorry for not giving you a concise definition but this covers a lot of ground it covers also a lot of people <laughs> so people that, that they're in love with their own voice uh, they, they think they're smarter than other people. They can be arrogant. You can't reason with them. They got their mind made up on something. They want to push that all the time. Uh, added to that, Chris, what Terry said is the, the danger here is this can really hinder, hinder church growth. It can also hinder people placing membership because if you have a member and I'm going to throw something else into the definition, Chris, if you got a member, that's a little creepy on the creepy side. Okay. Um, that's going to, some people that show up going to kind of look at your group. They might go like, I don't know, that person makes me feel a little bit on the uncomfortable side. Um, or if you're in a group and this person in the group, they're the first one that go up and talk to visitors and you go like, Oh no, they're up there. They're up there giving their spiel again. Um, that, that's all. So it's a danger to evangelism or a hindrance to evangelism. It can be a hindrance to our classes. It can hinder. This person in a class is not aware of the visitors. Um, and also, often this person will bring in topics that are not biblical. There, there's no book, chapter, and verse for it, but they just kind of want to bring that in, or it's a twisting of book, chapter, and verse. So whenever you're ready, Chris, we can go to this that second question if anyone else doesn't have a... Uh, a comment, and I think it's a very practical one, is how do you keep someone, I believe it's question number two, yes, how do you, how do you keep someone from taking over a Bible class uh, with their view? And particularly, I think this is, it can be very discouraging to visitors and new Christians as well, because our classes are meant to be edifying, informative, and truthful. Thoughts, well, gentlemen? I'll throw in a few things on the first one before I go to the second one. Uh, on the first one, at the bottom line of what everybody has been saying is that souls are at stake. And that's the bottom line of everything we talk about every Tuesday night, is that souls are at stake, truth is at stake, and we're not trying to be disrespectful to anyone. We're not denigrating or being condescending. I don't want anybody to think that. None of us want anybody to think that. But we're trying to all get to heaven. And we're all trying to reflect Christ in our life. And some of us are a little bit less good at that than others, perhaps. And some of us have to grow. And some of us have to look at ourselves in the mirror and consider, who am I? What am I? And how am I affecting my brethren around me? Because uh, preachers can just be as uh, eccentric as anyone else. And I think we have a question going to be coming up about that. And I think a perfect example in the scriptures is Diotrephes in 3 John, uh, 
uh, 7 through 9, or 9 through 11, I'm sorry, 3 John 9 through 11, Diotrephes was a man who was actively deciding who was going to be in the church and who's going to be out and denigrating the apostles and their teaching. Well, there's a man who took his eccentric ideas and personality to a position to where he was bringing destruction upon the church. And Terry talked about that danger. He can bring destruction upon a church. And that's why souls are at stake, because they can affect the souls of innocent and young, those who are young in the faith. And that's why this is so important. To the idea of taking over a Bible class, I've been in that situation. Most all of us have. And we need to have patience with one another. Um, we shouldn't just prejudge someone as just being, you know, someone just out there. But listen, uh, you may get, if you're a visitor, visiting preacher there, you may get, someone may say, well, watch out for brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. And you take that with a grain of salt because you don't want to prejudge a situation. But if someone brings up something in Bible class and it's what we call chasing rabbits, it's totally off topic. Uh, it doesn't have anything to do with what we're doing, but uh, maybe you've been warned, but maybe not, that there's a pet subject they've got that they always bring up. And especially if you're the visiting preacher, and I've been in a situation where I've been in a meeting and you're the visiting preacher and you've never, and so they've got a fresh person to ask this question of, you know, everybody else has answered it there and then nobody else has listened. So now that they've got the visiting preacher, let's see if he'll take my side. Um, and so you be patient, listen. But if they persist in a Bible class on following a line of thought that takes you away from the subject, you're going to have to put your foot down. You are the teacher. And you say, well, we'll that's a little off our subject. Let's discuss that after class or after services. And if they persist again, you just have to shut it down and say, look, we're, we're going to get back on our subject. We're going to talk about what our class is about. And we're going to talk about that later. And then you move on. And, uh, and you just be the teacher and control the classroom, just like a teacher in a school. If a child is acting up, you're just going to have to put them in their place and say that we're going to move on and get on with the subject. But no, you can't let somebody else take over the Bible class. If that's their way of doing things and they get away with it, they're going to do it again and again and again. Yeah, exactly. I'd start out, out trying to be polite and insist on staying on the topic, as Mark just said, stay on the class material. If it gets off that, uh, then say, let's talk about this afterwards. Or if you have to, perhaps we'll talk about this in private uh, because this class is not designed to go off on tangents and we can't allow the class to go off on tangents. And you, you say that politely. But if they still want to take over, then we need to take them aside privately and, and warn them, give them warning about. Uh, and if you have elders, elders need to be uh, told about this particular person in this particular class to give this person notice that that's not going to be acceptable. So you have to shut it down. You cannot allow it to go on or it will it'll ruin a Bible class and it'll ruin a local church. And so I would I would advise strongly uh, personal uh, politeness, then get a little stronger if ne necessary. Uh, take it privately. And then uh, if that doesn't work, then there needs to be some confrontation and warning that this will not be allowed. Terry, those are good thoughts, particularly, I think, in the day and age of where a number of churches, it's kind of like, well, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings and kind of anything goes. And I think as a teacher, it, it there are points as a teacher that I think you have to stop and say, no, because of this verse and that verse, that is not correct. And and you have to kind of make a public statement there. You can deal that at times privately, but there are times as a teacher that you have to say, uh, well, no, um, that's not a correct answer. That's not the right answer here. Here's actually what the Bible says on that particular topic. Uh, it's also, I think, a good, you might say before they get in the class, we talked about this in previous weeks, boy, be careful about accepting people too uh, carelessly in the membership. Man, have the elders or the men sit down with that person and even have them over to your home and really listen to what they say. Because usually, usually in your first interactions with an individual, if they have any pet topics, those pet topics do come up. So um, 
you got any red flags or whatever, don't ignore, don't ignore those. Uh, do not be so eager for just bodies in the pew uh, that you allow, as I think our good brother pointed out, you allow some bad, bad leaven to come in among the flock. Chris, well, Mark, some Mark, I was going to say, I mean, you mentioned one time somebody uh, trying to answer them, and that happened once, and the man who was uh, a retired preacher literally screamed at me from the pew. And, uh, and so that's, that's how things can go haywire, as we say, and we have to be very, very careful. But what's the type of people we're talking about? People who have a hard time controlling themselves, and they say and do things they ought not to do. And we have to be careful to help help those people or to warn those people. Yeah, Paul said to Titus, uh, there's some people whose mouths must be stopped. And uh, he was talking about in the context of uh, why we needed to have elders. And the reason is there are some people who run their mouths to the point that it needs to be stopped. The content of what they're talking about needs to be stopped. It's not true. It's not right. And it'll only pervert the uh, the gospel, and it'll only ruin the the hearers who listen to that constantly. So uh, yes, sometimes publicly, sometimes it has to be done. Unfortunately, uh, and uh, Titus, Titus Paul said some other things along that line that you sometimes you have to do it in the midst of the congregation so that others will be afraid to act that way. Uh, so, yes, I think there is a proper time um, when other things don't work, uh, then then this uh, can't go on and it has to be confronted uh, publicly with, with firmness, but but with love, because your love is for all the souls involved here. And for that person, uh, he needs a strong rebu rebuke, and that is love itself, too. So make sure everything is done in love. But uh, don't cower to allow somebody to take over a uh, Bible class, especially with the uh, teaching that is not correct. And to the members there, back up your preacher, man. Don't, yeah. don't, don't just sit there and be silent. Back, back him up, because if that individual out there knows that the preacher has support, that he's not the only one you're up against, they tend to sometimes back off. Um, I think of Titus chapter 2, and then Chris, I'll send it to you, verse 15. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. That is, your teaching is to be uh, not wishy-washy, but it's to be with some authority uh, behind it. I, I think, Chris, one of the dangers sometimes, and the thing that sometimes sends people down the, you might say, the, the crazy path, is that you're more in love with your opinions than you are what Jesus is teaching. And so we got to swallow hard at times. Like if we got an opinion, but that opinion is not backed up by scripture, we got to let it go. We cannot be in love with our thoughts more than we're in love with God's truth. Chris? You know, one, one, let me say this before you, Chris. Another way that one can take them to the Bible class, though maybe not in an overt way, when a, when a Bible teacher is asking questions, he's trying to find out what everybody knows. And if one person insistent, uh, persistently jumps out with the answer to every question, well, the Bible class teacher, he comes to realize that that individual knows the material, but he doesn't really know if anybody else is getting it. And so I would just encourage uh, everybody, as they sit in class and when the preacher asks questions, don't jump out too quickly with, with the answer. Even if you've got the, the correct answer, wait a few minutes or a few seconds uh, to give somebody else a chance to demonstrate to the teacher that they also have come up with the answer to that question. Excellent, excellent points tonight. Um, and I'll just add a couple of more quick uh, you know, practical ones, especially from a teacher point of view, is that um, when you are challenged, especially in a class situation, is know your material and stick with the material. Uh, a lot of congregations use a book. Uh, they'll use questions and answers or if they're reading straight from a passage. There's no reason to let it stray from the topic. I've had to tell people before, it's like, well, we can discuss that another time. Uh, there are going to be times that uh, as the teacher, yeah, you might come across as a little stern um, and uh, people think you need to be open and just uh, uh, to any question that they ask. 
uh, but you don't need to. Uh, remember that Jesus, when he dealt with people, if if they got off talk, topic, he, uh, you know, he didn't take the time to answer every question that was thrown to him. There were times that he didn't answer at all because they didn't have not the serious mind to listen to the truth of what he was saying. Uh, we remember the account where he you know, knelt down and wrote in the, on the ground. Um, you know, so Jesus just didn't waste his time with things that were antagonistic. Um, and even at his own trial, uh, he did not answer the questions. And Pilate called him out and says, aren't you going to answer? I'm the one that holds your life in my hands. And uh, Jesus knew people have their minds made up. But stay focused on the material. Know the material. Colossians 4 and verse 6 says, Let your speech always be with gracious, uh, great, excuse me, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So that is, you know, be prepared. Now, sometimes you have to overstudy. Uh, you are going to have to sometimes study three times as hard as you would expect your students to do because you might anticipate a question that may be asked and then you'll have uh, the proper information in front of you to answer it. Another way, too, is to take some of the attention off an individual that's constantly uh, giving an answer. Uh, I've been in class situations before. Where it was me and one other person talking. And you really have to be strong. I know I kind of fail at this sometimes that I find it hard to call on other people to answer questions. I don't like calling people out, um, you know, in a public assembly. But sometimes you have to. Uh, and it helps sometimes if you go to somebody before a class and say, hey, do you mind if I throw a question your way? Uh, maybe you'll take question number six and, uh, you know, prepare for that kind of thing. And then you'll know you'll have a little more interaction with other uh, brethren. So call on others to answer questions. Um, and then, of course, uh, this was brought up earlier in our program. I think Terry had mentioned it that you know, you need to speak to an individual about your concerns. And this is something that you can do privately. Um, you may, especially if you lose control of a situation in a class, it needs to be addressed. One of the things that is generally understood, whether you're an elder, a Bible class teacher, or a preacher, is that you're kind of in a leadership role. So lead, lead. Uh, this is one of the problems that I see in a lot of churches. I see it a lot in, well, like song leading, for instance, uh, People like to lead from the seats because the song leader isn't up there leading. He's just singing a song and we need to be led. That's the purpose of a man standing up and doing these things to guide us into the truth of what's being taught. And uh, of course, famously, Matthew 18 uh, verse 15 says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. And Jesus gives many other guidelines as to how, you deal with somebody unruly in a situation like that. And so it's going to take some courage. It's going to take some boldness. And uh, you need to be apt to do those things so that you don't lose control of the situation. And going back to something that was mentioned earlier, and uh, both of our marks tonight had kind of uh, uh, touched on the fringes of it, that made me think that when somebody comes into the building, and if they are at first approached by one of these kooks, <laughs> then um, sometimes they're going to judge an entire church based on the behavior of one individual. And you don't want to let that get out of control. It's going to hurt your class opportunity. It's going to hurt others from speaking up and participating, which is what we all want. And it's going to hurt the learning um, and give the teacher a lot less confidence. So there are a lot of practical things that we need to consider uh, as well. What else do we have, Mark? Chris, great points, and I think that naturally leads to our next question. Uh, that is, where does God allow us to be different, maybe even eccentric, and where is that not okay? You know, each one of us is unique. Uh, there's never going to be another one of us. There's never been anyone like us on the planet, uh, which is, that's a really neat idea, um, and that we're needed, and that we have capabilities, and we have talents, and etc. But at the same time, uh, as I have a steer skull behind me on the wall <laughs> speaking of eccentric um where is that not okay and the thing that really struck me on this question chris was first corinthians 11 1 says be imitators of me as i also imitate christ and we are to walk in love as god love uh, jesus is the example that we are to follow 
And if I am so unique or so eccentric that people no longer see Jesus, and I'm just a thing out there uh, overshadowing everything, to me, that's the line. Uh, I, I know in America, a lot is said about unique individuals and everyone's an individual. But if I am such an individual that people can't see Christ, to me, I've, I've crossed the line. And that that's something that I was looking at kind of helped me here is that I need to make sure that I don't get in the way that uh, I read a book, Chris, years ago, and this lady talked about her brothers. And as the brothers grew older, they became more and more like themselves. Well, that's the worst thing that could happen is for you to become more and more like yourself. Hopefully what you're becoming more and more like is a faithful, godly Christian, or you're becoming more and more like Christ. Um, also, your reputation and influence are at stake. Um, I guess that's how, why I would tell people, be very, very careful what you put on Facebook. Be very, very careful whatever opinions you share with people at services or with strangers or visitors. Maybe you got thoughts on nutrition, health, uh, an engine that runs on water, whatever, okay? W whatever you got out there, some opinion. But you don't want to damage your credibility where people won't listen to the gospel. And so I would say, you know, man, you might say, well, I've got somebody's opinions. Okay, keep them to yourself when it comes to, I mean, you're going to be telling people from the Bible that the whole religious world's not right. Okay, that that's... You need to have some credibility. Uh, and so don't, be, be careful. Be careful about what you post publicly on your favorite thing. Any other thoughts, you guys? I think about the apostles, that they were all different. You had, a, you had some fishermen. You had a tax collector. You had somebody that was a zealot, uh, politi political zealots. You had different personalities like John, who was very emotionally attached to Jesus and, and would express his emotions by leaning on him uh, in an emotional way. And then you had Peter, who's always uh, speaking up and uh, being the first, it seems, to respond to something. So they're all different, different personalities, and that's okay. There is room to be personally different. But the thing that we have to make sure that we're upholding each has to uphold the same body of truth. You have to uphold right and wrong. And, the, and you have to prioritize uh, the things that are important. And so everybody has to prioritize the truth about loving God with all of your heart. That's, that's number one rule. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. Treat people with kindness like Jesus says, Treat people like you want to be treated. Uh, and if we do that, we those those uh, guiding principles will cause different people to uh, to measure themselves, to be self-critical. And that's what you want to want to happen in every in every heart is that we're our personally our own critics. We're humble enough. We're humble enough to. Uh, listen to God's word and make applications, see our, our uh, shortcomings, and also to realize that we're pressing for our, our goal. We're not already, already, uh, already perfected, as Paul would say, Philippians chapter 3. And we have to give each other some room to grow. And if we can do that, then, I, then it doesn't matter the differences of personality that we have because we've got the same rule guiding our hearts at the same time. And so we treat people like we want to be treated. And that means don't take over and don't try to press things without due consideration for the impact you're having on other people. And if we do that, I think that the group that's different, that's fine. As long as we're united on the truth and the truth will, uh, will be the prevalent thing in, in a, in a discussion, in a class, and in our assemblies together, those things will prevail and uh, control uh, the level of uh, objections that we might want to raise at a given time. Those are just some of my thoughts.
good thoughts, Terry. And uh, and it's it's a shame too that even when you stand for the truth or preach God's principles today, you're seen as it's eccentric. Um, you preach on modesty. What? Uh, how dare you judge in those matters? Uh, you preach on gambling. What? I mean, why would you why would you have a problem with that? And more and more, we're seeing that uh, when a young couple comes to me and says, will you do our wedding? Well, I say, well, there has to be no immodesty, no drinking, no dancing. And a lot of them look at me now and say, what? Uh, what kind of weirdo are you? Where you're so, you're really old fashioned. And problem is we're simply standing for the principles and the application of principles of God's word. And we're looked at now different by our own brethren. And so, but we mustn't be ashamed like that. We mustn't change the times may change, but God's principles and God's truth do not change. And so if, if we're looked at as kooky and eccentric because we're going to apply God's principles and stand upon his truth and draw some lines where they need to be drawn, we ought not to be ashamed of that. I've heard it said, in opinion, liberty, in truth, unity, and in all things, charity. And I think if we can remember those three things, it will help us a great deal. Not to come across as kooks. Bob, those are really, really great thoughts. Chris? Well, I'd like to add another passage to this. In 2 Timothy 2, uh, 23 to 26, you know, Paul the Apostle probably had to deal with a lot more uh, than he talks about. But he warns the young man, Timothy, about dealing with uh, foolish and ignorant things. And uh, he says, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. Uh, this is the uh, ESV version, by the way. I like its wording. It says, you know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. May God perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. There's a lot in that passage. I won't go over the entire thing. One in particular uh, that comes to mind is, you know, the attitude of gentleness and, and God, you know, granting them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth. Uh, uh, Mark Gibson brought that up earlier in the fact that, you know, this is about saving souls. This is about correcting people. This isn't about winning an argument. I've, I've seen, well, preachers, you know, who just it, it seemed like their job to just debate and um, to stir up people. Um, and, and that's not the way it should be. You know, some of the brethren have, tonight have mentioned the fact that uh, people quarrel over little words or ideas. They want to have something new to present. I've heard terms, you know, like you know, new hermeneutics and things like that. And I know the context in which those things are said. And I don't I don't disagree with it necessarily. But somebody has to come up with something new. Uh, it's like every generation, sometimes every school year. Somebody's got to come up with something new out of the college arena and uh, to be different, you know, the new Pauline theory or the new way to look at Genesis chapter one. I mean, somebody's got to go in and make their mark, it seems like, and it becomes a thing that actually it doesn't encourage people to be such critical thinkers about certain things, but it, but it causes division, you know, within the church. And uh, that's, that's not okay with God. You know, we've already established that it's not okay with God. Romans 12 and verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renew of your mind. Like Bob had said earlier at the beginning of our program, we are to be different. We are the kooks in regard to the way the world looks at us. Uh, like Paul said to, to Corinthian brethren, you know, it, the message preached is foolishness. And that's fine. Uh, we don't need to get bent out of shape if somebody calls us a kook in that regard. Psalm 1 and 1 the beginning of the chapter, the beginning of the book says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Right from the get-go, God is making a distinction between his people and worldliness. And we don't need to bring the things of the world into the church. First John 2, 15 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And that's just not a place that you want to be. And, uh, of course, I'll remind us uh, uh, that, you know, Peter uh, says in 1 Peter 1, 15, but as he who called you is holy, 
you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am am holy. We are to be different. One time I got into a, a Bible discussion with a man of um, Native American descent, and he had a lot of the beliefs. Um, and I can't remember exactly, you know, what what they were. Um, they were very unique, interesting. I'd never heard of them before. Uh, but it's things that obviously are not what we teach in regard to godliness or especially uh, regarding Jesus Christ. He did not believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, but it's a very moral man. Anyway, I remember the first time that I encountered him and what began our discussions is he looked at me and said, Chris, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah, yeah. And he said, you know, I thought there was something peculiar about you. And I was like, well, thanks. You know, it was like the first time anyone ever, especially a man that had no regard to really the Bible, he knew the Bible. And he used that and complimented me in such a way. And we really uh, had some uh, neat encounters together. Um, could never get through to him with the truth of the gospel, uh, but it was a pleasure learning, uh, you know, or studying with him. But um, but uh, some could say that's eccentric in a, in a way as well. But uh, we you take know, the gospel to all men. Go ahead, Bob. You know, it's it's one thing to to see something in a passage that you've never heard presented, but you you're confident that it's that it's there, and that you can make a good case that uh one one fella i know he likes to point out chiasms that's it may be pronounced chiasm but c-h-i-a-s-m-s and these are very interesting especially in the psalms do you find those and he writes articles about that from time to time but that that's what i'm thinking you know if you've got a uh, an interesting uh, approach to a passage fine write an article uh, if you're a preacher, develop a sermon, uh, but but don't bring it up every every class, every Bible class, and uh, become so tiresome in your presentation of it that everybody knows you're going to bring it up in class today. And so some things, uh, yeah, we can we can uh, be helpful. We yeah. can help other people understand the Bible, but not if we're also always hammering on it. Uh, as Mark mentioned, yeah. uh, Dunnigan at the beginning of the program, uh, I'll make a hobby horse out of it. Bob, I really like your suggestion. I hadn't really thought about that before, uh, because if you do have a view about some things, then yeah, put it in writing, and, you know, share it with others. I mean, there is a proper form of of even debating. You know, there's nothing wrong with debating. Debating are, are great. Uh, um, in a discussion you know, last week, with you know, Mark had pointed out his debate books that are behind him. He's got over 400 in there. You know, they're, uh, uh, they're like gold in, in learning the differences between the way some people look at the gospel. And obviously there's a side you want to choose, you know, as long as it's the side of godliness. Uh, but yeah, um, if you're going to be a person that wants to put your views about things out there, then you, you probably need to be formal about it. Because if you're in a church just starting to, trying to cause division, who are you trying to win over exactly? What are you trying to win over? You know, you take a congregation, average size, you know, 50 to 100 members. Um, who exactly are you trying to win over? What is what is your end goal, your end game? Is it to save the souls of the folks that are there? Or just somehow make your mark? Because let me tell you, the mark that you make, it, it's not going to be the right one. Win souls, not arguments. Well, we've got one question left, Chris. Let's pop that up there on a very practical level. You know, the thing is that all of us, all of us can go down the road of crazy thinking, too. I mean, we're not we're not immune. And that's why we uh, that's part of the reason for the show tonight is to keep a look at ourselves as well to make sure that um, as, as we've seen other people, this happened to other people of what can I do? What can I do to protect myself? And. A few things I kind of had, Chris, on that was just things like don't isolate yourself. Surround yourself with wise, godly people. Bob's comment about write an article, what that allows other people to critique it and you'll get feedback. And uh, people might suggest how you might write it better or something like that. But it's, it's, it's good to surround yourself with wise people. Be very careful about the internet. Uh, 
be careful about thinking that there's a source of truth that's preferable to the scriptures. Um, one thing, Chris, I had here, if you don't have to marry, but what's your plan if you don't marry? And what I mean by that is if you don't marry, you're going to be single. And I don't know, now and then, and this is not a blanket statement, but now and then I've seen people who are single that sometimes get go off because there's nobody there to check them. Okay. I would also say one of the things is that you're, if you're a teacher or you're a man given an invitation, you're a preacher, boy, have another a set of eyes on that sermon or invitation. Have your wife proof, proofread it. There are certain times that I've seen guys get up and they've given a talk or an invitation or whatever. And I'm going like, if the wife could have just taken a look at that and says, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, we're not going to word it that way. We're not going to say it that way. Or do you realize, you know, but part of this, I guess, is to help you with awareness, awareness of the people around you, awareness of how you come across, awareness of the best way to say something. Um, also, Chris, I, I, uh, awareness of your audience, awareness of who's in the audience. Are there visitors that night, etc. cetera? Um, I love that passage you gave us on 2 Timothy chapter 2. Um, Self-control patience you're in control uh, there are people arguing with you but you're not quarrelsome you're in control and you come back and you're reasonable i like a, that word came up tonight you're reasonable you reason through things you rationally think about it as mark noted you're not going to scream at somebody in class you know that type of thing you're you're under control and you're more concerned about winning the soul than your pet project. And I think maybe that might be something else is that you're more concerned about people learning scripture and obeying scripture than you are about getting your uh, favorite little uh, opinion across. Um, other thoughts, gentlemen? You know, Paul wrote in first Corinthians or second Corinthians chapter 13 and verse five, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith, test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves? that Jesus Christ is in you unless you be, unless you are disqualified. We need to constantly examine ourselves, examine our, our, our thoughts, our beliefs, our opinions, our understanding of scripture and, and keep asking us, you know, have I learned, have I learned the truth? And uh, like what Bill Hall used to say, once you've learned the truth on a subject, uh, you pigeonhole that. And you, and you, you put that, you put that, uh, in, in its proper place and and just whenever something touches on that subject uh you make sure you you don't contradict what you've concluded there uh or that the two passages can be can be harmonized and uh we just need to keep in mind that as you pointed out mark we can become kooks we can be wrapped up in our own self-importance and think that we are smarter than than anyone else and so we need to keep uh, keep on self and examining, uh, examining ourselves in the light of God's word. Something you said earlier, Mark, about earlier in the show about being careful about coming up with something new all the time in the academic world. They're always trying to come up with something new to write their master's thesis and their doctorate thesis on. And that's expected. But we've got to remember we're preaching the old paths. And we don't have to retread the road over again with some new ideas. I remember one time, one person who was gaining on to the one covenant theory that there's not two covenants, the old and the new, but one eternal covenant. And he began a presentation saying, you know, brethren, we've had it all wrong up to this point. And I'm thinking, he said, all those who have come before that have written about it, they didn't understand the real truth about this. And I'm thinking, where did you get the hubris to think that you've come up with something that no one else ever saw it? And I had to later illustrate that an old brother back in the 1800s already answered the error that you're teaching. Uh, so it's nothing new. And we've got to be very careful that we don't think that I've got to come up with something new to make a name for myself to win an argument or whatever the case may be. Let's just stand on the old paths and be happy about that. Yeah, great points, great points. As for the old paths, uh, don't, don't be someone who is trying to outsmart everybody else. 
and trying to come up with something that's novel, that nobody thought about that. I'm amazed at those who think that the communion needs to be a common meal. Somebody came up with the idea that the, that the, the communion is not done because we're taking little bits, little pieces here, and that that's not a meal. They're thinking they're coming up with something that's that's uh, enhances and makes it better. It doesn't it doesn't make the Lord's Supper any better by enlarging the portions that you take. What you got to enlarge is the thinking about what this is about. Enlarge your concept of Jesus body and his blood and what that means enlarge that and then you'll be truly taking the Lord's Supper in the way it needs to be done but those who are coming up with novel ideas just to change things just to change things around uh, to to be impressive in some carnal way that's not that's not the way uh, that we need to view things and that's not the way we need to approach uh, God's word so we can we can get down, get in some crazy thinking if we uh, go down some of these paths just to elevate our sense of importance and our own sense of pride that we discovered something nobody else did. So let's be, be, be very careful about that, that the wisdom of God has been expressed and people have done it right from the very beginning. Some people have done it wrong from the beginning, but we can discern between truth and and error by use, utilizing the word of God and being very careful with the word of God. So don't be so full of pride and uh, that you uh, that you're looking for novel ideas. That, that'll that'll yeah. ruin you. That'll get you into crazy path thinking. A dose of humility will go a long way on both sides. Uh, and no matter what side of an issue you might be talking about here. Uh, because granted, there are some things that our brethren are divided over, and we have to be careful that we do not bind uh, where the scriptures have not bound uh, as well. And there are truly some things that are really way out there. Um, uh, I was told a story you know, by a, an elder friend of mine years ago who uh, ran across a man who was literally carrying a cross through town because the Bible said to do that, you know. Uh, there were, there have been people who have taught, uh, go into the forest to teach animals because the Bible said, tell the gospel to every creature, you know, and granted those, those, those understandings are a bit out there. I appreciate anybody who wants to take the Bible, you know, in a very literal way, but we need to be a little bit more educated when it comes to what God practically wants us to do and how he wants us to do it in this world. Uh, one of the problems we didn't have time to discuss, we did a series on conspiracy theories several months back, but sometimes uh, those things are brought into the church as well. And you have to be careful uh, that, um, and, and sometimes there are kooks that come up with some very outlandish ideas because of what they hear on the news, or you can always tell what type of news a person listens to by how they talk. Uh, what side of the coin it might be. But for every issue in life, there is always a conspiracy theory associated with it. You know, it might be political, scientific, or even medical, as we've seen in the next past couple of years. But are these theories to be a part of the teaching of the church? No. And if not, you know, how do we control the discussion when they arise? And we have to be very careful. Uh, we've seen in the news recently about a talk show host who is a denier of you know one of the horrific school tragedies that happened a few years back and and you know i mean there are things all the way down to people still believing that we haven't gone to the moon still believing that there's a flat earth are these things a part of the church no but god created the earth and so they bring, bring god into everything but some issues are more biblically centered and aren't so out there maybe not as kooky as some people make them out to be but they can cause division if they're bound by antagonistic brethren and we have to be careful and there are some issues and I'll, I'll just give you a list. I mean, whatever side of the coin you might be on, these are not necessarily things that must divide us. Uh, you know, what we call one cuppers and in regard to the Lord's supper, what about the use of the head covering? Uh, what about the, the, you know, the practice of withdrawing and discipline, a very important thing the Bible teaches us to do that a lot of churches have gotten away from in the past few years. What about the practice of fasting or foot washing? Um, you know, these are things that are divided some. Um, 
I've had, I've known brethren that, um, you know, they don't, they don't want you to watch football because of the violence that is there, or maybe because there's a beer commercial every five minutes. So what about listening to gospel music as entertainment? I've had some discussions with people over that before. Um, I've, I've seen brethren divide over capital punishment. Um, I've seen, I, I knew a man once, I didn't really know him, just knew of him. He, he wouldn't use the term father. Uh, because he wouldn't allow, he wouldn't allow his children to call him father because God's the only father. Of course, father's used as a secular sense in the scripture. We see all these things, and you can add to that list. All of these things are things that people get excited about. They want to make a stamp on them. They they want to think they're doing right in the sight of God, and then they want to bind them on everybody else, and they look down upon others because it's not their way. And uh, we've gone over a little bit tonight, but those are just some of the things that we need to uh, consider. And as has already been pointed out, to keep ourselves from going down that crazy path, learn your Bibles, be a student of God's word and study with others. Do not just sit and learn all these things on your own and come up with some weird or outlandish idea. But talk to your teachers, talk to your fellow brethren, talk to your preachers and elders and uh, let's do what they did in the Bible. They came together to talk about God's word, to meditate on these things uh, so that they may grow in their knowledge of God and in their faith toward God. Are we trying to grow in our knowledge for ourselves, faith for ourselves? If that's the case, then we're not letting the light of Christ shine in the world. Any last thoughts before we close our program tonight? Well, I think, uh, Chris, great thoughts. I appreciate the men that were on the panel tonight and also the viewers that tuned in. Um, I like the idea of, you know, always be willing to listen. Uh, one of the qualities of the fool in the book of Proverbs is he's wise in his own eyes and no one can really tell him anything. And so be humble, uh, be quick, be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. James chapter 1, verse 19. Be slow to wrath. Um, a, a good test of ourselves is if someone disagrees with us, can we calmly listen to them? Can we give a calm, reasoned response? Uh, or do we immediately get angry? Uh, are, are we under control? And is our main goal, I just want to know what the truth is, like those of Acts chapter 17, verse 11, Search the scriptures daily to see whether these things are so. Is that long ago I took me out of it. I no longer live. It's no longer me that lives. It's Christ lives in me. Galatians 2 and in verse 20. And Chris, back to you. Those are all my comments for tonight. Looking forward to next week. All right. Looking forward to next week as well. And so thank you, uh, fellas, for joining us tonight and imparting your wisdom and sometimes your experiences in regard to dealing with subjects like this, as we said several times to the lesson, we're not trying to be disrespectful. We know it's an interesting term, but it is a term that does uh, have a definition and we need to be aware of these things. I'll remind, I'll leave us with this in Romans 12 and verse 18, if possible, so far as depends on you live peaceably with all men. And as long as you have God's word on your side and you can just show scripture for what it is, and that's what you need to live by. We appreciate our listening audience for tuning in tonight. We thank you so much for the comments uh, that have been made and, uh, and they have been brought into consideration. And if you disagree with us, it doesn't mean that we think you're a kook. And, uh, you know, we just want to study God's word together. So email us, uh, send us your valid concerns at questions at answeringreligiousera.com. Uh, we, we discuss these things among ourselves, and we'd be happy to address them in future lessons, especially for our Q&A program, which happens every Wednesday uh, at 12 noon, and that's Eastern Standard Time. So we encourage you to tune in tomorrow. We already have a great list of questions um, that we will get to. And if you have a question, just as I said a moment ago, email us, questions at answerreligiousera.com. You can personal message us on Facebook. Uh, and if you watch the Facebook program, uh, watch it through Answering Religious Errors so that we see your comments. You might be watching on our YouTube channel. You can comment in the chat line there as well. If you're watching on a shared page, we just want to remind you, we may not see those comments. So please don't get upset if we can't um, uh, you know, answer your question because you know we didn't see that. You need to let us know uh, directly. We appreciate everyone that shares these pages, but we've added something new to our program the past few weeks. 
where you can come on the show. You can come on in a video form. Just have your camera and uh, microphone ready and uh, our producer will let you in. And then uh, you can also just talk audibly uh, through audio. And so that is a new feature that you can come on and ask a question and uh, we'll answer it. Put us on the spot and we look forward to a challenge like that, plus getting to meet uh, some new people along the way. We also want to encourage you to listen to some other programs throughout the week. Uh, Monday nights, Bob Myhan, who is on the program tonight, has Bob's Bible Basics at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on YouTube and, and um, right here on Facebook. And then also on um, Thursday evenings, we have uh, Answering well, Older Women Likewise. I'm getting my, my name's tied up here. Older Women Likewise, and that's a study for women by women. Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, again on Facebook and YouTube. And then we're right back here on Tuesdays at 7 o'clock um, Central Standard Time. That's 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time for keeping my head on straight. So we hope and pray to see you next week right here on Answering Religious Error. <laughs>